0: The Wednesday Night Wars could be coming to an end in less than a year. We talk about that, review this week's NXT and AEW Dynamite next on the Squared Circle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, usually we leave Thursdays for the War Room, review both shows, try to say who won, who lost, but big news coming out from WrestleVotes saying that USA Network is considering moving NXT to possibly Tuesdays. We'll start with our show with the ratings this week. NXT and AEW both did very well. They both finished in the top 10. They were both second in non-news or live sports in the 18-49 to demographic. NXT finished with 849,000 total viewers. AEW finished with 928,000 total viewers. So we've seen it for a couple weeks now where they've been on different nights. I think most people are watching without having to do the flipping back and forth, the ratings have shown. Can we put this to bed? Can NXT move over?
1: Can we end this fan-created Wednesday night war? Certainly can, but you have to also remember the buck stops at one man, and that is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Now, let's think of the reason why NXT was put on a Wednesday night. That was all in retaliation, or um, this was done specifically because they found out that Dynamite was going to be put on Wednesdays.
0: No, I disagree with that. Because first off, NXT was always on Wednesday, even on the WWE Network. And yes, I understand the decision to move it from the WWE Network and the, to the USA Network makes it look like it was a counter-programming move. But I think this was both a WWE move and a USA Network move. Because let's not forget, TNT and, a- and USA Network are pretty even when it comes to 18 to 49 viewership for all programming for the year. USA Network lost a huge, huge ratings grab with SmackDown, having them move over to Fox. Their original programming doesn't bring in the the ratings. WWE content does. So what's the next thing they do? Hey, can we get NXT off the network and put it on USA? Sure, why not? So I don't say this is all Vince saying, hey, let's counter-program, pal. Let's put NXT on
1: USA, pal. No, I don't think that. But you have to. You have to probably think that there was some small portion of that that went into the decision to put NXT directly going against Dynamite. Now, not True. maybe not necessarily for the reasons that a lot of the fans want to talk about. Uh, I, I don't think there's necessarily as big as a concern for WWE and AEW of those two shows going to head to head. But I think we have to admit at this point. Because those two shows are on the same night and at the same time, there is some level of competition that's either going on amongst both the the talent and the fans. And we've seen that. We've seen the numbers now reflect that there is a certain portion of both fan bases that are going to go back and forth between both Dynamite and NXT. And having them on the same night means that you are now competing for those fans, as small or as large as that fan base may be. Right, WWE's Main prerogative, I think, right now, as big or as small of a threat as they see AEW, is keeping fans away from that product. Having a show or having an alternative, as that was the popular word, it's not a competition; it's alternative. Having NXT counter programming or on the same night in the same time slot means that you literally have to make a choice: am I going to watch NXT or Dynamite? Now, I understand you can DVR, you can watch it the next day, you can watch all of that stuff. You can certainly do. But I think that to a certain extent, it means something to have WWE counter-programming AEW just to keep a certain percentage of that fan base away from AEW, even if, even if it's a small percentage. There is a, some form or level of competition amongst these two companies. Can they survive separately? Let's say if NXT was decided to go on Tuesday night and AEW decided to stay on Wednesdays, of course they could, but I don't think that's going to happen. S- specifically because I think that that's more or less WWE saying Wednesday night is yours. Go ahead, get as big as you want, get as popular as want, get, get as over as you possibly can with the fan base that you're trying to attract. And I don't think WWE wants uh, to allow that to happen, especially given how big WWE, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, AEW has gotten in such a short period of time.
0: But at the same time, okay, AEW, take Wednesday. We're going to take Monday. We're going to take Tuesday. We're going to take Friday. So I'd rather have three nights to myself that I could take over the wrestling community, watching my product over trying to compete over one. So I, I think this is actually a good move for WWE to move NXT to Tuesday. And I think it's a good move for the USA Network to move NXT to Tuesday. Let them have their own night. And for those that are trying to say, now you got to compete with Impact, No. No, you're not competing with Impact because Access TV doesn't reach as, nearly as many people as the USA Network, but there's going to be some people that will watch Impact Wrestling instead of NXT, which is fine. Some people might watch AEW Dark instead of NXT, which is fine, but it's not going to impact the total viewership like NXT is right now on Wednesday. Obviously, it shows when NXT is on its own, the ratings go up. They've gone up the last two weeks on their own. Are they the same numbers as AEW? No. But they've had their higher viewership. They've had pretty decent 18 to 49. Even their 50 plus went up on nights where they're not doing the same night as AEW Dynamite. It would be a very, very good move for NXT to move over. I know there's going to be fans that say AEW won the war if they do this. No. No. See, the thing is, to me, the war was fan created. It was not. AEW versus WWE or NXT. This was a fan thing. Ratings are created for the executives and the companies. The fans use it for confirmation bias. And I've said that tons and tons of times on this podcast. But at the end of the day, you don't have to worry about DVRs. You could watch Raw on Monday, NXT on Tuesday, Dynamite on Wednesday, NXT UK on Thursday, if you really wanted to. And Friday could be SmackDown. That's what this comes down to. There does not need to be a a night where they compete against each other. And the ratings are indicating that there is an overlapping audience. It's not one or the other. It's not, oh, let's combine the total viewerships and, oh, they're drawing 1.6 million. No, no, no. Collectively, they they draw about 850 to 900,000 total viewers. Both shows. It's just that there's a section that we're flipping back and forth. That's it.
1: The real competition has always been amongst the talent and for the talent. Now yep. that there's another company that can rival WWE, WWE, even to a small extent, there's another option for the talent to go to. That means that WWE is either going to have to pay talent more money to keep them there or allow them to go to that other company, which right now is AEW. So no matter what happens, as long as AEW is there and they have money to throw around, the war is actually between the two companies, when it comes down to rosters and talent. yes, The, the ability for that. talent to go from the WWE, to AEW is a very real possibility. And the fact that the, the wrestlers can use that to their advantage to get paid more money, that's where this becomes a real war. The stuff that's actually happening behind the scenes that they don't talk about. They talk about ratings. They talk about viewership. They talk about what show is better, which we're going to get into. That isn't necessarily the stuff that, is as important as the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Right. In my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. But let's move on to the actual shows that happened this week. Rather than doing segment by segment like we usually do in the War Room, obviously it's a little hard seeing that NXT did a one-hour Iron Man match. So we're going to do like key takeaways from both shows. Ralph, what was your key takeaway from NXT
1: and AEW Dynamite this week? NXT, first. the first thing I got to state, awesome fucking match. Awesome match, an hour-long. And when you hear an hour-long match, especially now in professional wrestling, just the fact that, one, it's on TV, not pay-per-view, where it, it's very hard, I think, to keep people's attention knowing that you're going through commercial break after commercial break after commercial break. So it's hard to build that suspense. It's even harder to do a match like this an hour-long, keep, keep the fans invested, knowing that there's not necessarily fans there in attendance. That's very hard to buy into something, to keep yourself invested in something when there's not fans there to encourage you to get into the match by popping for a big moment or reacting to spots where somebody looks like they got hurt, near-fall reactions, things like that. These four guys, you can't take anything away from them. This match was freaking awesome. The I downside agree. of this match, and it has a lot more to do with the fact that Karrion Cross got hurt, Keith Lee went up to the main roster, they don't necessarily have any faces in this match. Tommaso no. Champa came back as a heel. Finn Balor's mostly been working as a heel, but I kind of get the sense that he's going to be a face. Maybe he's but a tweener Cole,
0: at best. Adam Cole's the same way too. Like he's been working as a heel, but you kind of see this like undisputed era face turn kind of thing. Yep. Recently. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. There definitely is no baby face in this situation the thing that I got out of the Iron Man match, I agree with you, is a great match. I love the ending where Finn Balor sneaks in at the last second to tie things awesome. up. Or excuse awesome. me, Adam Cole snuck in to tie things up. Yep. I am not a fan of the reaction of Finn Balor and Adam Cole afterwards. So Regal comes out. He says, next week, we're going to decide this in a sudden death. One fall takes it all. Finn Balor, Adam Cole. And you have Adam Cole saying... Come on, I'm ready for this next week. Let's go, I'm ready. Finn Balor's like, yeah, yeah, next week you're on. Why isn't anybody pissed off? Why is nobody pissed off? Like, You mean nobody wants this- to throw a Bret Hart hissy fit? Exactly my point. Did anybody show William Regal, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, whoever booked this, a tape of 1994 when Bret Hart and Lex Luger tied in the Royal Rumble? They were both pissed when they found out it was a tie. No, I want to win now. Shouldn't one of them be like, listen, I'm a little beaten, but I think I have the advantage here. I want to go sudden death right now. And I understand TV time limits. I understand that. But from a storytelling perspective, why would why wouldn't either one of them be pissed? That's how yeah. I see it there. That there was a a, a little bit of a hole in the storytelling, in my opinion. And
1: and this is where you really miss having a face in the match, even if it was one guy. Let's say, for example, you have Johnny Gargano as the face, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say Johnny Gargano supposedly gets hurt at the beginning of the match. He hurts his knee, and him and Adam Cole end up tying. They're the two that are going to supposedly either go to sudden death or wrestle next week, whatever the case may be. Now you're put in a position where Adam Cole can play up that okay, you're trying to favor Johnny Gargano because you want him to win and he's hurt and you're trying to let him recover and it's a disadvantage for me. So now yep. you can have the heel kind of draw heat and build that up. You don't necessarily get that because you have four heels essentially in this match. Uh, I actually, I wish that I could have done something to actually post my prediction. I probably should have put it on Twitter. I wasn't thinking. I predicted the ending, but I thought we were going to get Champa. And I thought we were going to get uh, Finn Balor and not Adam Cole. The reason I think mm-hmm. that is because I think if you have Adam Cole go back and win that title, I guess it kind of proves that, yes, he's that damn good to be at that level. But he just had the belt for so for so long. Uh, I think that Finn Balor going back down to NXT from the main roster, he was the most logical guy to come out on the top of this match or to be involved in the tie that they have. Champa just came back. I didn't see that happening, and I didn't necessarily see Johnny Gargano winning the title either. But needless to say, whatever the outcome was, whatever the outcome is next week, the match was very good, and it, 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 they were they had a tough task at hand, especially given no crowd, TV, not pay per view, commercials. Really good near falls met, kept me kept me in the match the entire time, so I thought it was great. Yeah, they 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 did a really good
0: job with the sixty minutes. Not awesome bad for Josh. developmental, huh? Nope, not bad at all. But let's talk about the AEW Dynamite. My key takeaway from AEW Dynamite is in this two hours, we have been crapping on the women for, for, for a while. They're not booked strong. They're, near, they're not as good as NXT or Impact or NWA. In fact, it might be the first poll in our podcast history on our YouTube community page that AEW didn't win over WWE. The women have not been good. Last night could have been the best women's match in AEW history and involved two women not even on the roster. Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb showed how good this women's division can be. I hope Thunder Rosa is there long term and this is not just a one off. They can get some kind of de- uh, partnership with NWA. But I think the huge get for AEW would be Serena Deeb. Now, Some of you people may have just seen Serena D for the first time last night on AEW. This is the trainer that is behind the scenes that helped WWE with the women's evolution. She was there to help Sasha Banks and Bailey and Becky and Charlotte and the four horse women make NXT in the women's division and bring it up to the main roster. She is the, the seed that was planted to help that women's division grow to where we got a women's WrestleMania main event last year that Ralph and I were both at. If they get her, not only will she be good in-ring, she can help a lot behind the scenes teach some of these women because, let's face it, a lot of their women are talented. There's a lot of potential there, but there's a lot of green in that women's division. She can help get rid of that, in my opinion. She can really
1: help boost the women's division. Glad you brought up behind the scenes. Because where the fuck was Sheeta? Yep, I agree. This match, and I said this last week, could literally be a women's match that helps solidify the AEW women's division. Now, I understand Thunder Rosa is not under contract from what we understand with AEW. Maybe there's some partnership going on behind the scenes. That would be great. But as far as we know now, as far as, we are, we are, as, far as this conversation is happening right now, she is not under contract with AEW. How you don't have some type of face-to-face between Thunder Rosa and Sheeta to promote that match is beyond me. I, I I I don't know why this didn't happen. I don't know why they couldn't spare the extra two minutes for them to face off, even if it's just where they're face-to-face to tease the match. To me, that's a really big missed opportunity, especially considering there was so much attention on Thunder Rosa going to AEW and competing this week. I think I that's agree. a big mistake.
0: It is a big mistake, but... One of the big stories that have been told, especially in the women's division, Big Swall and Britt Baker. It looks like we'll get a culmination all out. We got the stipulation, a tooth and nail match. Now, a lot of people were upset that this is actually happening on the pre-show, and I agree. This is this is not the first time that's happened with Britt Baker, where she got a big storyline heading to a pay-per-view, and it ended up in the pre-show. Her story with B Priestley ended up on the the pre-show for full gear happening again here at all out the tooth and nail match. I was like, what the heck is a tooth and nail match? Tony Khan explained it at the media call on Thursday afternoon. It is a cinematic match held in Dr. Britt Baker's dentist office. Oh Christ. Oh, <laughs> I'm actually excited. I want to see how this goes. I think this oh, could be God. very interesting to say the least. I I, I mean, it, it, I see now why it's on the pre-show, but, I, I wish they could have been on the main show, especially that they're getting a lot of time developing this story. And instead of that being on the main card, we have two matches kind of thrown together last minute. The eight man tag with the dark order and the natural disaster, or excuse me, not natural disasters, natural nightmares, Mart, uh, Matt Cardona and Scorpio sky. And then you have the random tag match between the young bucks and the Jurassic express I wish Sprit Baker and, and Big Swole were put on the main card just to show that they're willing to give it a try for the women's
1: division. That there kind of hurts the purpose, in my opinion. Mm. I I, I got to say something here. I got to get something off my chest. Go ahead. What is the purpose of these four-man tag matches every single week? I,
0: I If don't the know. point
1: of the match is not to get somebody over, get somebody attention, get somebody heat, why the... Look... We get it. Jurassic Express has some potential in their athletic. We've known that since the very first time that they performed in AEW.
0: And Luchasaurus was definitely the most over in that match because as soon as he got the hot tag, the crowd woke up. That crowd was dead before then, though.
1: Yeah, and the main thing with this, first of all, logistically, there's going to be people that are going to be bothered by this because you can't get into the match because you don't have a fucking heel and you don't have a face. They got to stop doing that. I understand today in professional wrestling you don't always need a heel and a face, but at some point you have to start establishing people. Every week we're subjected to a four-way tag match where you don't know who the who to root for, you don't know who to chair for, and and the whole point of the match I think is just to show that there are some athletic guys that are under contract with AEW. It does nothing to elevate the people that are on the co- that are in the matches. The Young Bucks were the likely team that was going to win, or at least their team was. Now they're thrown into this match against Jurassic Express. Stop with the four-way tag matches. Develop some heel tag teams. Develop some face tag teams. Let them go back and forth. For Christ's sake, do you remember when SCU was the, the number one tag team in AEW? Yes. Now, all those months removed, and granted, I understand the pandemic had a lot to do with that because they weren't on TV and they couldn't travel, and all those types of things are, are, are happening right now. Right. But now they're put in a position where they're just kind of an afterthought. One of the big things that I hate about WWE is whether you become the women's champion, whether you become the heavyweight champion, the intercontinental champion. Once you lose that belt, you're back of the line. They don't care. They don't do anything to promote you, to ensure that you keep your status. AEW can't make that same mistake that WWE has done. SCU, if they're a former champion tag team, Make them feel special. Don't just throw them out there in a four-way tag match just to say, oh, well, this guy's going to do a flip. We're going to get our spots in, and then the Young Bucks are going to come out on top. Nobody looks good in that situation. Nobody. I agree. I agree. But you talk about faces and heels. I think a big
0: takeaway from this show is I don't think Hangman Page is the one turning heel, folks. Omega is. And that segment, yeah, they laid it on pretty thick. That FTR did not help Hangman Page in the decision to um, prevent the Young Bucks from winning the gauntlet match last week. He is in tears. His eyes have been red for the last two weeks. Very Uh. upset. Not talking. You got Omega walking away from Hangman Page. I, I, I definitely think... And you even have heel tactics with the Young Bucks getting pissed off at fans. So I think at the end of the day, we are... Uh, seeing Omega, not Hangman, turning heel.
1: Uh, I I am so disappointed right now because Hangman Page, his eyes weren't fucked up because of him crying or anything of that nature. He was hanging out with Van Damme and Katie Forbes over the weekend. That's No, he wasn't. He absolutely was.
0: He's drinking, not smoking. There's a difference.
1: Ah, All depends who you ask, I guess, but.
0: I get. I don't do either. So
1: you're you're more of the expert in that regard than I am. But. Oh no no no! You're trying to get me in trouble now on the show.
0: No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Any other key takeaways from the show?
1: Key takeaways: uh, MJF showing a very calculated, very sinister, very vile side to himself. I loved it. I loved it. I loved, yes. I loved it. I loved it. They have kind of positioned him as the chicken shit heel a little bit to a certain extent, especially with some of the gimmicky comic stuff which is fine in certain doses like with the neck brace which we found out he wasn't actually as hurt as he let on so that was yep. part of his master plan but the fact that he got in the lawyer's face and told him y- y- you're, you're going to do things my way or the other way and-, and I'm going to get my way he is going to do whatever possible to win that championship on Saturday yep. and that adds an extra little um, wrinkle to how evil he can truly be so that, that I found interesting
0: Um, Do you think by having the show end the way it did, though, did they tip their hand and having, you know, Moxley being laid out like he did, meaning that he's going to win Saturday? No, I I think that's typical booking. I know usually in WWE, that's how it's done. AEW might see it a different way, but.
1: Makes me believe
0: that Moxley's winning on Saturday.
1: The the thing I think that'll be more telling than how the show ended of who is going to win that match is is who's going to win the Casino Battle Royale. Yep. I think that that will be very telling. That was one of the things that I didn't necessarily like about the show because, and I've always said this, you can go back to any of our podcasts and listen to it. I hate, I hate, I hate whenever there's a Royal Rumble, some big match that involves a ton of people where everybody just floods the ring. This was extremely long. It went through a commercial break. It came back, and they were still in the ring after the commercial break. <laughs> yeah. And not only did they not leave one person standing tall, which you would hope they would do to kind of suggest, this is the favorite of the match. They didn't do that. They cut to a Dark Order a skit, yeah. or promo, or whatever. So I don't know who's going to win that Battle Royale unless somebody is like a surprise entrant. I, I, I honestly, I, of that group, I don't know. Maybe Brian Cage, maybe Lance Archer, Darby maybe. Rock Lesnar. No, Lesnar's not coming. We all know that. Doink.
0: I think it's if they're doing a Joker, like a big surprise for the Joker, I think it's one of three people. I think it's either going to be Pac coming back from the UK if somehow he can get through. I think it could be Nick Aldis or Wardlow will be the Joker. And if they are, they'll win the whole
1: damn thing. You think Wardlow is ready? No, not at all. But, I, but I, is MJF ready? MJF can talk. MJF can talk, talk. so he can cover whatever whatever his shortcomings are, whether it be in the ring, which it doesn't necessarily look like he's got many flaws in the ring. He certainly doesn't have any flaws as far as we've seen on the mic, and he's got a shit ton of confidence in himself. He can mask that, and he can recover quickly. If you're Mm -hmm. green as shit and a big guy who can't cut a promo, that's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Which brings me to my last and final thought. I thought AEW Dynamite was an okay show. I didn't think it was a great show considering it was the go-home show for a really, really big pay-per-view that they have coming up. Yep. This is where WWE can kind of trump AEW because with WWE, the production value, the set, the Thunderdome, all the bells and whistles can hide terrible, terrible, terrible creative and storylines and overbooking. Mm-hmm. A W is literally an outdoor arena that has decent production. Okay. Commentary from time to time. And when it's on and the wrestling is good and the storylines are good, it's awesome. But when things are off, it really, really looks like it's off. Like if you compare it to like an ECW show from back in the day, like a bad ECW show. And I'm not saying dynamite was bad last night, but I think in, in standards of a go home show, it wasn't great. I think it could have been much better. I think it was a little all over the place, a little scatterbrained. And I I think that they could have done a little better in certain areas.
0: I agree. I think NXT did a, a much better job in their show than AEW did this week. But, you know, it's just one week. I'm sure they'll bounce back. We have All Out coming Saturday. Another Super Tuesday next week for NXT. I think it's going to be very exciting for a lot of wrestling fans in the next week. So let us know what you guys thought of NXT and AEW Dynamite in the comments below. And don't forget to share us over social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SCPB Podcast. And we'll talk to you all on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Psychobabble.